0: Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Hello, friends, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Health Mystery Solved. Last week, in episode 27, we took a deep dive into the functioning of the thyroid and why just testing TSH is not enough. I told you about the other thyroid markers, which are imperative so that you can get a full picture and explained how all of those thyroid hormones work together. I gave you all the specific markers to ask your doctor to run, and then gave you the optimal ranges of where each one of them should ideally be. We talked about why these ranges are so important and why just looking at the regular lab range is not enough. It was a lot of information that most doctors are not going over, and I hope it helped you understand it better and see that when looking at things from this angle, the thyroid is really not that mysterious, and how we can see if there's really an issue there. Now, if you missed episode 27, please go back and listen to that one because we are building on it today. Also, for your convenience, I put all the lab markers that you need and the chart with each marker and their optimal range in the show notes for that episode. So if you go to healthmysterysolve.com and go to episode 27, You will see all of that there. So if you're listening while you're driving or working out or doing dishes, that's totally fine. You don't have to worry about taking notes. It's all there for you. For those of you that have recent thyroid labs, have you had a chance to look at them to see if all of the numbers were tested and how your levels compared to the optimal range? If you don't have labs and want to make sure your thyroid is optimal, please ask your doctor to run those and see where you fall. Now, in some instances, some doctors may not be willing to run all the labs, and I've gotten some emails from you guys asking what to do in those cases. It's unfortunate when your doctor is not willing to work with you, but it happens sometimes. So I recommend looking around to see who's your family using, who are your friends using, and see if you could find someone that's more integrative in your area. Looking for doctors that are DOs, which are doctors of osteopathy, is helpful as they tend to be more open chiropractors are also typically very open and in most states, chiropractors can write blood work scripts through your insurance. Also, I find that primary care doctors tend to be more open than specialists. So while people often think that if you want to look at your thyroid, you should see an endocrinologist, I have found that not all endocrinologists are as open to running everything like a primary care physician, especially if you have a relationship with your primary care physician already. Also, gynecologists and midwives are a good bet, and they're typically covered by insurance. However, if you're having trouble finding a doctor, you can order your own blood work. This option is fast and easy, but the downside is that it's going to be out of pocket and it's not going to be able to go through your insurance. And this option is available in most states except New York, New Jersey, and Rhode Island. And I'm going to put links to a few labs that I like in the show notes so you guys can check them out. I know that having to pay for tests out of pocket is not ideal, especially when you have insurance. So finding a doctor is best. But in some cases, if you're hitting dead ends and if it's causing you stress and frustration, or perhaps you have to travel a long way to get to a doctor that will run it, paying for your own blood work may be worth it when you count those travel expenses, the co-payment, and the time that it takes to get there. Well, of course, we always want to save money. Remember, that time is often an even more valuable currency. So you want to think about how much is your time worth and the fact that you can't ever get your time back while well, typically you can make more money at some point. So just something to consider when thinking about this. I've received a lot of awesome feedback from the last episode. Thank you so much. And so many of you have gotten blood work and have found that your numbers may not be in the optimal range. And this may come with different emotions. On one hand, it's great to know that your hunches about something being off were validated and something really is going on. But on the other hand, the thought of now having to deal with a thyroid issue may feel scary or confusing. So now what? I get it. And I want to give you as much information as I can to help you figure it out because you deserve to know what's going on in your body and you deserve to feel good again. While, of course, every person is different. And as you can imagine, it's hard to advise each person specifically, especially over a podcast, but there are four thyroid patterns and I want to tell you about them. I am going to walk you through four cases, each showing one of the patterns and what I did to solve their issue it's very likely that you may fall into one of those patterns, and this will give you a really good idea of where to start and how to proceed. Ready? Let's do this. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Today, I want you to meet Cindy, Kara, Melody, and Erin, who all had thyroid issues. However, while some of their symptoms were similar, the part of the thyroid that was not working properly was different, and so we had to address each from that angle. First, we have Cindy. Cindy's results showed a fairly low TSH of 0.5, Now the range is 1.8 to 3. Her doctor tested only the TSH and said she was completely fine, but Cindy was still not feeling well. She was cold all the time and had trouble losing weight. So here's a common misconception. The reason her doctor thought that it was okay is that generally there is an inverse relationship between TSH and thyroid hormones. So when TSH is high, that often means thyroid hormones are low. And when TSH is low, that often means thyroid hormones are normal or even high. But like we talked about last week, not every person is a textbook case, so we can't assume without seeing the whole picture. When I requested new and more complete lab work, Cindy's TSH was still low at 055 But what was interesting and not surprising for me to see was that her total T4 was also low at 4.5. The range ideally is between six and 12. And her total T3 was also low at 68. The optimal range for that is 100 to 150. While many doctors may look at a low TSH and assume things are great because of the often inverse relationship between TSH and thyroid hormones, meaning when TSH is low, it's assumed hormones are good. In this case, when we see a low TSH and also a low total T4, this indicates what we call a pituitary pattern where the pituitary is not stimulating the thyroid properly so the TSH decreases and there's not enough T4 being produced. And since T3 comes from T4, it also makes sense T3 is low because we just don't have the substrates to make it when T4 is low, does that make sense? Well, in this case, Since the issue is coming from the pituitary and it's the pituitary that's not signaling to the thyroid properly to produce the hormones, the issue is more upstream and not with the thyroid directly. So I used a supplement called Thyraxis PT by Apex Energetics. This is a pituitary glandular that helps to naturally stimulate the pituitary. Cindy took four capsules a day. She did one before breakfast, two right before lunch, and one before dinner. Iron also plays a role in this pathway, and I suspected because of this pattern, she may be low in iron, and she was. I looked at her hemoglobin, total iron, and ferritin, and they were each suboptimal. So I added a very gentle iron called FerroCal Iron from Designs for Health. I love this iron because while so many iron supplements can be so harsh on the stomach, this one is not. I use it with even my most sensitive people and those who are pregnant, and I've not had any trouble with constipation or other stomach side effects. After doing these supplements, Cindy started to see a difference in about three weeks where she wasn't so cold, and she had more energy, and she actually started to see the scale move down, finally. After retesting her in three months, her TSH was up to one, and her T3 and T4 came up as well. We were still not quite in the optimal range, so we continue the thyraxis PT and the iron for six months to get to her optimal range. If you're seeing a low TSH and a low total T4, your issue can also be coming from the pituitary. So speak to your doctor or practitioner about this, and you may want to consider taking thyraxis PT if it's needed. Now, all of this is going to be detailed in the show notes as well, healthmysterysoft.com, episode 28. Now, then we have Cara. Cara was feeling tired, she had bad PMS, and she was also experiencing constipation. After running all of the thyroid labs, I saw that her TSH was quite elevated. It was at 6.5, and optimally, we want to be between 1.8 and 3. Her total T4 was at 5.5, so a little low as well, ideal is 6 to 12, and her T3 was 75, also low, because the ideal for that is 100 to 150. In Kara's case, this was a pretty textbook case of hypothyroidism because her TSH was elevated and both her T4 and T3 were low, saying that she didn't have enough thyroid hormone and her TSH was increasing to tell the body there's not enough. In this case, I worked directly with Kara's medical doctor as she needed some thyroid medication. While we want to address things as naturally as possible when we can, I find that things are a little bit different when it comes to thyroid medication. If TSH is high and hormones are low, this means that there's not enough thyroid hormone and not giving the body the hormone it needs, in my opinion, in the opinion of many other practitioners, is actually doing more harm than good. Now, I'm speaking not just from clinical experience, but from personal experience as well as many of you probably know, because I talk a lot about this on this podcast, I have Hashimoto's and due to that hypothyroidism, my TSH was always a bit high and my hormones were always a bit low yet for the longest time, you know, and this is going back about 15 years now, I was resistant to medication because at that point I just graduated nutrition school. And back then I had the mentality that everything natural is good and all prescriptions are bad. Now, while I always try to use natural means whenever possible, and typically try and avoid medication whenever possible as well, and of course still believe natural stuff is gonna be better. I've learned over the years that since thyroid hormone is needed for all of the cells in the body, not getting it can really harm our body and negatively affect our organs. So when there is true hypothyroidism and there really is not enough thyroid hormone, this could be bad and potentially even dangerous. Once I myself finally got on a small dose of thyroid medicine about 10 years ago, I felt like a new person. I didn't think I felt that bad back then because I'd balanced so much of my body and was doing so much better than when I first started my health journey. But after balancing my thyroid, I saw an even bigger improvement in so many areas from energy to mood to my hair, which started growing so much better and thicker and longer. And I tried natural things before doing medicine, such as thyroid glandulars, but my levels were not just borderline, they were actually out of the range, just like Kara's were. So while I love natural remedies, for me, it was just not enough. And the same went for Kara. In her case, we had a choice of two types of medications. So there are synthetics and there's synthetic T4, which is probably the most popular and that would be things like Synthroid or the generic for that is levothyroxine. And then there's also something called Tyrosynt, which is a synthetic T4 that's in liquid form and it comes in a gel cap. It's formulated without any excipients or additives, which is great for those who are sensitive or have autoimmunity. Then we also have Cytabel, which is synthetic T3. Now, all of these are considered synthetic thyroid support. Now, I know that when most of us hear the word synthetic, we typically associate it as a bad thing, and most of the time it is. But here's the thing. In this case, the synthetic is basically the T4 and T3 thyroid hormone that's made in the lab, which is what makes it synthetic, but it has the identical structure of the T4 and T3 that your own body produces. So it's not something we should consider as a bad thing if our body needs it and it can really be quite a lifesaver. The other class of medications out there are desiccated thyroid extracts, or DTEs, which typically come from a bovine source. So this means that it comes from thyroid glands of cows. I know this sounds a bit weird, but it's considered the more natural thyroid medication, though of course it's still a prescription medication. The advantage of DTEs is that because it comes from the thyroid gland, it naturally contains both T4 and T3 at about an 80-20 split. 80% 80% T4, and 20% T3, because that's how it's naturally produced. Medications such as Armor, Westthroid, and Naturethroid are all examples of DTEs. The only caution I have about this is that since it does come from a natural source, there is a small percentage of people, yours truly included that may react to it if we have Hashimoto's. The reason why this happens is that if someone has Hashimoto's, the immune system attacks our own thyroid. So when taking a medication that comes from a natural source, sometimes the immune system may think that the medication is your own thyroid and attack it, and therefore it causes an autoimmune attack and increases antibodies. Now, again, this is not something that happens in all cases and many, many people with Hashimoto's do great with DTEs. But I always tell people to check their thyroid antibodies if they're taking a desiccated thyroid extract just to make sure that they're not going up after they started. Now, I personally opted for desiccated thyroid at first and while my numbers got a lot better, my antibodies did go up from it so I switched to a synthetic T4, T3. And what I did is instead of doing Synthroid and Cytomel, I had a compounding pharmacy compound the synthetic T4 and T3 for me with no fillers. So that's another option that people have. In Kara's case, she, her doctor, and I opted for Armor, one of the DTEs. The reason we decided on that one is because in Kara's case, both her T4 and T3 were low. And we were not sure how well she was going to convert her T4 to T3 once she got the T4. And so we opted for the Armor because it has both T4 and T3 in it. Plus, she did not have Hashimoto's, and so we didn't have to worry about the antibodies. We were waiting about six weeks to retest, but after just one week, Kara noticed more energy, and two weeks later, her bowels became way better. She was no longer straining and feeling like going to the bathroom was an ordeal. After six weeks, her TSH was completely in range, and both her T4 and T3 were right in the middle of the optimal range. She also found her next menstrual cycle was so much more balanced and in fact, she didn't even realize when it came, so no more PMS. If you're looking at your results and your TSH is elevated while also your hormones, your T4 and T3 are low, please speak to your healthcare practitioner about this to see what the best course of action is going to be for you and please don't delay in addressing it. Next, we have Melody. She was already taking Synthroid, which is a synthetic T4, and her TSH has been in range for many years. However, while in range, she never felt like it was doing that much. She still felt tired and often foggy. When she came to see me, her results showed a TSH of 2.0, which is pretty perfect, and her free T4 was 1.2, also very much in range because that range is between 1 and 1.5. The thing is that her doctor didn't run any other markers. So once we ran everything, I saw that while her TSH and T4 were completely normal, her T3 was very, very low. Her total T3 was only 70, where ideally it needs to be between 100 and 150. And her free T3 was only 2.4. Ideally, it should be between about 3.0 and 4.0. So this was a classic T4 to T3 conversion issue, and this happens quite, often. This can also happen to those who are not taking thyroid medication. So if you're not taking anything and you see a normal TSH and a normal T4, but a low T3, then you likely have this conversion pattern as well. And remember that most of the T4 converts to T3 in the liver. So it's really important to have a liver that's working well and is not sluggish and toxic. So eating clean and supporting the liver and detoxification is very helpful. So we always start there. Also, the enzyme that converts T4 to T3 is selenium dependent, so adequate levels of selenium are very important. Zinc plays a role as well, and it's needed for the conversion, so we need to make sure we have enough zinc. Additionally, some conversion takes place in the gut, so making sure our gut is functioning well and that we have a really good balance of flora is essential. If you want to learn more about the inner workings of the gut, by the way, and things that you could do to help balance that, I did a solo episode on this and I highly recommend you listen to it if you missed it. That's episode 23. And I also talk a lot about the gut in an interview that I did with Dr. Osgood, where we discuss SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth in episode 12. So definitely check those out if you missed them. In Melody's case, we worked on supporting her liver through eliminating sugars and hard to digest processed foods, and also I started her on a supplement called ThyroCNV by Apex Energetics. It has zinc and selenium and a few other synergistic nutrients that specifically work in helping the conversion from T4 to T3. After six weeks of liver support and taking thyroid CNV, Melody noticed an increase in her energy and much better mental clarity. We retested her labs and her total T3 went to 100 and free T3 went to 3.1. So both were now in range. And doing all this didn't affect her T4 or TSH in any way. Those remain good and in range like they were originally. In some cases, if someone is already taking a T4 medication like Synthroid or Levothyroxine and T3 is very, very low, especially if it's below 70, it may be helpful to change to a T4-T3 combination medication like Armour or Westroid because it has both T4 and T3 in it. And if someone prefers synthetics, in some cases where the conversion supplements are not getting the levels to optimal, adding Cytomel, which is the synthetic T3 to the Synthroid when the natural methods are not doing the trick can work very well. Oftentimes it's very possible to get the body to convert. It's just in some situations, conversion may be off and that's when taking T3 may be needed. But obviously you can't make any changes to your medication on your own. Please speak to your doctor or your healthcare provider about all of this. Our fourth case is Erin. Erin had a normal TSH and her doctor actually tested her other hormones and her T4 and T3 were in the normal range. But Erin was not feeling well. Her hair became coarser and more frizzy. She was seeing the outer edges of her eyebrows disappear and she had trouble sleeping and she was more tired and foggy. Erin was also under a lot of stress. When I met Erin, I noticed that while most of her thyroid markers were tested and she didn't have any antibodies, so she didn't have Hashimoto's, Erin's reverse T3 was not tested. I knew we had to look there and lo and behold, when that came back, her reverse T3 was 29 Now, the reference range at the lab is 8 to 24, but optimally, we want to see it under 17. So not only was she out of the optimal range, she was out of the lab's range as well. Reverse T3 blocks T3. So when reverse T3 is high, even if you have normal T3, your body will not be able to use it. So she was T3 deficient in relativity. Now, reverse T3 typically goes up when we have stress and cortisol, which is our stress hormone, is high. And it also goes up with inflammation. And so often the stress itself can cause the inflammation. So I've worked with Erin on stress management techniques. We did breathing as well as meditation. And I used one of my favorite supplements called PS150, which is phosphatidylserine. Now, this is a phospholipid that helps to bring down cortisol. We use two capsules around dinnertime. Erin noticed that just after a week, she was feeling calmer at night and had much more energy during the day. Her hair started to look softer and more manageable as well. We retested her reverse T3 in two months and it was back down to 15. Woohoo! As she continued the PS150 for just a few more months while she was working on managing her stress through lifestyle and mind-body means, which is just so, so important. If you have an elevated reverse T3, please take a look at where stress may be coming in. Please also remember that stress is not always emotional, but it also can be physical. So often stress can come from blood sugar regulation or from eating foods that we're sensitive to like gluten or dairy, for example. So doing a food sensitivity test or a food elimination can be very helpful in addition to working on eating a balanced diet where your meals have a balance of lean proteins, good fats and good carbohydrates, but not overdoing the carbohydrates. And we always wanna be mindful of the amount of sugar and processed foods that we eat. And you can also consider taking PS150 to help manage your cortisol levels. I really get great results with it. Now, when looking at phosphatidylserine, you want to look for types that come from sunflower lecithin instead of soy lecithin. The one I use is by Designs for Health. Now, maybe a couple of dollars more, but it's worth it so that you're not consuming soy, which so many people with thyroid issues are often sensitive to, anyways. Plus, soy is estrogenic, and there's a connection between having estrogen dominance or too much estrogen and lower thyroid function. So many people are already somewhat estrogen dominant just because of our environment and not having good detoxification. So, we don't want to add any extra soy when we don't absolutely need it. So today we covered the pituitary pattern, the hypothyroidism pattern, the thyroid conversion pattern, and the high Reverse T3 pattern. While of course there's others, these tend to be the most common. And I hope seeing what we did for Cindy, Kara, Melody, and Erin was helpful for you. And if you know others who may be dealing with thyroid issues or perhaps maybe they were told that the thyroid is not their issue but they're still experiencing problems, please share this episode with them so they too can get the right labs and see what they could do to support themselves. If you enjoyed this episode and would be so kind as to post a review on iTunes, I would so, so appreciate it. These ratings and reviews help the podcast be shown to more people so that they can also see that the answers are out there and they're not alone in their health journey. When it comes to solving your issues, don't give up. There's things you can do and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.